Give me that. Everybody take it easy. Especially you, Riggs. Riggs? You Martin Riggs? Yeah, the Chicago Riggs. Is. What's your name? What's your name? Pierre. Pierre von Worsch. Fuck, I'll just call you Adolf. Are you Arjun? Arjun Red? Ar Aryan? What, what? That's you. It's official. Yeah. They are official. Under the Diplomatic Relations Act, no diplomatic agent may be detained or arrested once his identity has been established. And we do have a serious diplomatic situation here. Do you expect me to talk? of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm your host, Becca, and as always, joined by my fellow co-hosts, Chris and Dave. How are you both? Yeah, good evening, folks. I'm feeling even older to, for this shit. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> this film will make a great drinking movie, I figured out. The, the number of times that he goes shit. And literally, if you have a shot every time he says it, you'd be blotto by the end of it. I'm watching, I'm re-watching 24 at the moment, and, and the one for that would be Damn It. Yeah, yeah. He's, that's it, so many it, times. It is, uh, it's not exactly a new observation given the age of the show, but like when rewatching it, and it's like I, f- I meant to say to like my partner early on, like listen out for how often he says "damn it," and of course it's so far in now she hasn't mentioned it yet. I might have to say like, <laughs> have you noticed he's saying it's constant? He says "damn" every other word. Damn it! Yeah. it, it it's, yeah. it's because they like, they couldn't swear. Well, they decided not to swear, so they could like keep like the violent violence in yeah. it. So he yeah, just said like, oh. to keep it like a fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's probably a few like F-bombs that might go underneath the radar but, oh dear you know. it just makes me what a fucked up society we live in it's like yes you can like pass electric charge through this person's nipples providing you don't <laughs> but you say can't say but what I kind of like is the, the show kind of embraces that you go like yeah we're just gonna like kind of make it a point <laughs> <laughs> We, you know, we, yeah, we, you we can are... show extreme torture, but you can't they're, do. Other they're things. ripping out someone's teeth and going, "Cheesy comestibles, that hurts." <laughs> <laughs> Ow, Chihuahua! Ow, Chihuahua! Fun you we are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Oh, fudge! That's great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it's like on US network TV. I can imagine it would be just as bad, if not worse. Chop but the big thing on the, the, the big thing on British TV when we were growing up was they were sensitive to violence and, and the, the British uh, Board of Film Classification and network sort of regulators were unusually sensitive about certain things like we didn't see headbutts in films for years. Mm. Headbutts was a thing. Like Golden Eye was, was edited out. Yeah, for Golden Eye was famously banned, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it, had a, well, it wasn't the, banned. The but it had a headbutt scene. But like a couple of no, but that scene was removed. Yeah, and and that was happening in films. Nunchucks like, as well. That was a thing. Yeah, that doesn't seem to be such a thing now. Obviously, something like Robocop was cut quite significantly. But the funny thing was, they would leave in the scenes with all the swearing in, but dub the swearing. No. Oh, really? In these films, yeah. So you got Melon Farmers, Muddy Funsters, that sort of thing. 
uh, in Coming to America where he says, yes, yes, fuck you too. It's like, yes, and the same to you too, and things like that. So they tended to leave the scenes in. I don't know what it would be like in North America, but it was... Um, I don't know. Did the film lose a lot? Uh, it, it it was it was the fact that they were replacing the words with words that no one would ever use that made it really stand out. In some respects, you're like, well, just cut it then. In don't, really don't bad say, dub as well. Yeah, don't have them say muddy funster. It's just that's not a word. No one says that to each other. Um, yeah. If you want to see a parody of it, um, on the Cornetto trilogy. It's an extra oh, yeah, that's true, it's yeah. one of the discs where they played a few scenes where they were told they had to provide like what they call the airline edit. Um, and they're calling each other prinks and stuff like that. <laughs> um, you have to be like, pardon? Oh, yeah, when, when you said sort of dub it, I kind of thought, oh, what an, in, a, in a foreign language. But no, not, not dubbing like that. No, no. Oh, um, they, would leave, they, would leave like the, they would leave the scenes that had swearing in and then dub over the swearing. Yeah, and sometimes words. I think it was done at the time because it would sound like the original actor, but I think a lot of the times it would be a vaguely sound alike, wouldn't it, Chris? Yeah, it would be really bad sometimes. I remember it was a really bad Bruce Willis one, where it's just like a guy sort of doing like a kind of like a, like a very really sort of Bruce Willis in, um, like impression over like what would be like a, a bad, bad word. And it's just, it, it really kind of like, oh, is there any need? Like, you know, given the fact that it was, like, already after nine o'clock anyway, you just think, fucking hell, <laughs> you know. Um, but but yeah. it, is, it is weird. I mean, what, we, we, we've noticed it still kind of happened because, uh, you know, with the Disney Plus thing, they've got, uh, well, for those that don't know, I'm sure everyone knows, they've, they've introduced more adult, in quotation marks, material. Yes, we're not talking about porn. We're talking about stuff that would be aimed at grown-ups rather yeah. than yeah. families. Yeah, so like 18, and, 15, 18 rated. And so they've included things like, you know, Family Guy and things like that. And Amer- yeah. American Dad, you know, which is more like, you know, more adult, you know, more risque in its humour. And they they bleeped out some of the swear words. And you just think, what? why? What have, you, what have you done that for? What? Like, I, 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 I can understand it if they just put it in regular Disney Plus, like, aimed yeah, more but, for kids. Well, they've made but... a fundamental mistake with that app in that they've put all the films into... Yes, at the top you've got, like, the, the tab for Star and the tab mm. for, like, Marvel and stuff. But if you go to, like, all movies A to Z, you'll get all of them, right? Yeah. What And what they've done is, like, given you the option to, like, age rate it, so 15, 18, whatever... I don't understand why they haven't just put Star behind, like, in its own subsection of the site. Yeah, because that would Rather make sense. Than, so, so when you search all movies A to Z, you don't get the option of gross point blank if you're a child. So, I, I don't know. But um, I, know, I know when it was just the Disney films on there, they they did sort of airbrush sort of Dara Hannah's backside in um, <laughs> Splash and stuff like that. Um, I, I've been watching uh, tw- just as we've alluded to I've been watching 24 again and I, in the first series we got to a point where I said I think I've misremembered this and then I realised they'd edited it there's a scene, spoiler alert for 24 season 1, Jack's wife gets uh, effectively raped in, in the original cut of it in that her daughter's about to be raped and she kind of like shoes the rapist off somewhere else and 
does what needs to mm. be done to protect her daughter. None of that, and I did not take my eyes off the screen, was in it. And then suddenly she's at the hospital later on being like saying she's been raped and getting like tested to see for STDs and pregnancy and everything else. So the pregnancy would have had to be fucking instant. Um, so their editorial decisions are a bit odd. Um, but they go. Yeah, because you think like, well, yeah. you just openly talked about it, but yeah, you know, and it's not. It's not like the you know the the rape happened on screen. It was... Yeah, you didn't see the rape. She took him into a back room, and it was sort of a quietly, quietly. It was kind of a take him by the hand and just quietly lead him away. Yeah, I, I don't understand. And yet, you know, severe beatings and all that are still in it. I don't know. I don't really understand. But yeah, they, they fundamentally structured the site wrong. Star should be its own subsection or yeah. mini app or something. Because it, it makes you, well, you know, I, I know it makes uh, me and my, my, my partner like loves Family Guy. And she's like, oh, great. Family Guy and American Dad on there. And she's like, I can't believe it just beat out really fucks me off. <laughs> yeah. So she's like, well, you know, I'll stick with the DVDs then. Because, you know, yeah. it just completely. I mean, fair enough. If you've watched him again. I mean, I wouldn't mind it if if it had like the the more edited, you know, option. If you're going to be watching it with like with like younger adults or, or children, whatever. If that was, you know, if it was an option, do you know what I mean? Like, you could like. Have, but again, like, they're a... giving you the opportunity to password protect the site. Yeah. But whilst I understand the need to monitor what children watch, if you've got. I don't know. I'm not very. I'm not a very good judge of what kids should watch anyway. But but let's say you've got an eight or nine year old and you let them use the TV by themselves, they should be able to go into the Disney app, go to all films A to Z, and just see the Disney Plus films. They shouldn't even be seeing that high fidelity and mm-hmm. like gross point blanks on there. And we're not talking about super violent films there, by the way. Well, gross point blank has its moments. But yeah, we, yeah. We, yeah, we do think that all children should be protected from John Cusack. Yeah, definitely. Keep <laughs> me in bags. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, I don't know. The, the relevance of that, I mean, we did kind of just go off the point, really. But it is relevant in that I think most of our early memories of these films are the hyper-fucking-edited versions, aren't they? Yeah, well, I mean, this was quite cut as well in, in the UK. I think even theatrically, I think it was... It was, it was there was actually quite a, a few notable bits that of particularly violent stuff. That yeah. was cut, um, uh, just just for like sheer sheer violence of some of it. Some of it is a bit unnecessary, but then again, it was like kind of the era where they were just cutting cutting everything for. All it was sorts cinemas. Of where cinemas were getting or studios were getting ever more audacious in what they throw into fairly mainstream films, hmm. uh, and TV was getting more and more sort of tough on what it would cut out of them. So yeah, I, I, there were bits in this film that I thought. I wonder if they would get away with now, but again, it was more sort of language and attitudes. But we'll get to it. Yeah, I mean, it's been declassified as a fifteen now, where it was thought it was an eighteen, and that was with the cuts as well. It was still an eighteen with with. Oh, some of the I know the stuff. first was an eighteen, and I know the third was a fifteen. I thought the second would scrape to fifteen. Are you saying it was an eighteen on first release? Yeah, on first release, it's been de- it's been like uh, moved down to a fifteen. Again, yeah. obviously, we're talking British ratings there. I can yeah. imagine. The, the 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 difficulty in in sort of for any because I know we got quite a lot of sort of listeners from outside the UK and and North America particularly that for those who don't know we've got like a universal rating I suppose that would be I don't know what that would be equivalent to G I suppose over there then you've got PG so have we 
you've got PG-13, we've got a 12A, we call it. So there's a year in it, but it's roughly equivalent. And then you've got R-rated. I know you've got NC-17X unrated and everything else, but those are the mainstream ratings. Now, we've got a 15 and an 18 rating. And whilst they normally marry up, firstly, it's two different bodies and they're, they're looking at slightly different things. But also, you do occasionally get films that sort of would fall in the middle and go to one extreme or the other. So you got an R-rated Batman versus Superman longer cut that was like, you know, R-rated, and it was still a 12A in this country because it wasn't quite bad mm. enough to be a 15. And, and, but you don't really have... You, whoever looked at yours thought it's got... It's not quite a PG-13. And if it's not quite a PG-13, you've got no choice but R. So that's what we're talking about the, with 15s and 18s. A, a point also as well with the American rating system is, is like, well, with, with, when it comes to a 15, it means like no one like above, like under the age of 15 can see it. Whereas like with R... Like you, you, you know, anyone like under I don't, I don't know what the age is, but yeah. basically, if, young, younger 17. kids can can go and watch it with an adult. I think it's seventeen because the NC seventeen is no children under seventeen, so mm. that's not discretionary. But most chains, theatre chains, I understand, won't show that. So an R rating, if you're an adult and you've got like an eight year old and you want to take them into an R, you can. Here's not the case. They are hard R rate, hard age ratings, with the mm. exception of twelve, which is. Advisory and the reason you have to be with an adult, but um, that was a hard age rating until I thought it had Spider-Man. To be, I thought it was it was twelve. Yeah, it's twelve A, wasn't it? Now it's twelve A now, but it was originally a yeah. twelve. Uh, the summer of Spider-Man changed it because it came out as a twelve. Parents complained. Uh, it then got like a re-release or something after the World Cup. The, it was a World Cup year, a, a football World Cup year. So. Um, that plays havoc with schedules, particularly films that are aimed quote unquote at boys and men, because mm. that's still the way it's seen, you know. So you, you, endless Bridget Jones films could be shown or something, but like, you know, if it's a Fast and Furious film or something, they try and avoid clashing it with the World Cup. So it came out again in later summer as a 12A for two reasons. Firstly, the World Cup, and secondly, the fact parents have complained so bitterly that, like, why are you stopping kids seeing this? And they changed it to, they changed the 12 to a 12A. And without any cuts, though, if I understand correctly, there was no like edited edits on it at all, was there? I don't recall any. So, so basically, sort of, you know, people complain. They thought, oh, okay, fine. They've just <laughs> they've just softened the twelve to a twelve A. That's all. They've mm. just softened it slightly that you can take a six year old in to see a twelve if you want, whereas before you couldn't. Um, which was a bit harsh because getting a 12 was so easily done because American films aim at a PG-13 quite often. Mm. So it, it's very hard to classify them as a le- anything less. And, but it's and now that's a standard now for every film. It's like every film aims it's what they aim for, for a 12A. Yeah, it's what they aim for. Well, PG-13, I suppose, because American, but yeah. But yeah, so I, I just remember whenever I think of these sort of TV cuts of films, I think of the Lethal Weapon franchise first, which means I must have seen cuts and shots of like Mel Gibson saying stuff like Muddy Funster. <laughs> it's just quite funny. I was also reminded of how times change earlier because I posted I posted it to our Facebook page because it was of its time and so what. But um, 
Vic and Bob doing this film. And I'd, <laughs> I'd forgotten, like, Bob was in blackface. You couldn't do that now at all. <laughs> um, but, no, no, you, uh, you wouldn't get... Even though the whole thing is ridiculous and everyone knows it, do you know what I mean? It's like, but... I'm not going to comment on it because I'm completely the wrong demographic to have an opinion taken seriously on it. So I just accept you can't do it and that's fine. But at the same time, when I saw uh, that sketch, it, I didn't pause about posting it because I just thought it's a funny little thing from 25 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's pain. I think if any comics in the world are going to get away with that, it would be Vic and Bob because they're just so ludicrous in everything they do. I mean, he played Max from heart to heart with Biscotti on his face. <laughs> yeah, amaretto biscuits or something you know it was like that they are just inherently ridiculous they played Slade as obsessed with copper soup you know so it's on our Facebook page but it, it is uh, yeah. I referred to it in the first episode I mean it ends with them like drinking bitter in the battles <laughs> yeah I, I'd forgotten the blackface bit it's obvious when you think about it because of the leads from the original film but I just didn't mm. give it a thought but um the other thing I thought that was, before we go into sort of making and original thoughts, is just some overall um, observations, I suppose. I mean, the smoking one was in it last week. You, you can't really smoke in a mainstream film mm. now, um, unless you're evil. And even then, it's, it depends. If it's aimed at a family, certainly not. But the other thing was use of the sort of racial slur that they use in, in, in South Africa because yeah. it's their version of the it's their version of the N-word. Yeah. And you couldn't put Tarantino aside, I suppose, and, and certain other demographics. Mainstream appeal films are not going to feature that word very often at all. And yet it's liberally sprayed all over this film, isn't it? The yeah, I mean I mean in fairness, it is used by the bad guys. Um yeah. and it, you would and it is kind of I mean again of its time, it was probably being topical. Uh, to, I mean, I, I can't think of any other like mainstream Hollywood film that that did have South Africans in that that touched on it. Um, but, not off the top of my head. I mean, certainly not. Certainly not main, mainstream crowd pleasers. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure they were all. There's all sorts of film. You know, there's not an atrocity or or an injustice in the world that hasn't been dealt with somewhere on film. But like mainstream appeal films that are designed to take hundreds of millions. Yeah, no, I I, I found this quite. It, it dates the film, obviously, um, in the same way that the same year Rambo three had, you know, dedicated the film to the Mujahideen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, there's a little bit of that in it. Um, and they are played slightly for pantomime villains, to say the least. Um, but I was quite happy to just take it as a relic of its era. Yeah, I mean, for things I don't think, especially considering it's America, it's it is a racial. Sl- I mean, I, I don't really understand. I mean, I'm not like astute on the the politics of South Africa, so I can't really sort of give too much in depth. But I would say, given the fact that it was a, it was in America and it's a racial slur that's from a different country, it won't hold the same um it won't hold the same weight, you like sort of saying it over here as the N word would. If you know what I mean. It wouldn't because it because it's like It it's, doesn't have the same cultural reach. Yeah. It it, in it does our parts of the world. Yeah. Obviously it would in parts of Africa. 
yes. yeah. But even then, I, I even then I wouldn't be. I like to say either way because I don't, you know, because it's a different country. I don't, I don't know what like. I mean, it's still offensive, but I, I you know, in terms, of, is it quite the same? I don't know. I can't really say. But okay. um, I think we'll err on the side of caution and not say it, other than. Other than the very last joke of the film is a play on it, and I have to admit, I found that quite funny. <laughs> I was going to say uh, that unfortunately that did make me laugh, but then I was like, I probably shouldn't laugh. But it's just it is, it is clever, but it turns the whole idea like on its head because it is yeah. it is so hideous, it is so awful. Mm. But I, I did kind of find myself just, guiltily, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't laugh. A little, so. a, a tiny bit of background on the film, and just tiny amount, because hardly anything's changed. Richard, uh, same two leads, obviously. It's still a Shane Black story. Um, this time, though, the screenplay is written by Jeffrey Bohm, who died relatively young. He died in his 50s. Um, <clears throat> but looking at his work, he did uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the script. I mean, we know he won't have done the story because that's not how Lucasfilm worked back then. But he certainly uh, did did that. He ended up doing the follow-up to this. He did the Chevy Chase film, Funny Farm. He did Inner Space and The Lost Boys and The Dead Zone. So he did some real cult films in the 80s. Uh, he co-wrote The Witches of Eastwick. So he didn't have a massive filmography, but he had a relatively strong one. But it's the same... Yeah, we did uh, The Dead Zone as well. Yeah, I, th- I thought I just oh, really? said that. Sorry if mm. I did. Uh, the Dead Zone, for anyone who's not seen it, it's worth watching. It's a Christopher Walken film. I think Martin Sheen's in it as well. It's really good. Um, uh, Stephen King adaptations are hit and miss. Uh, de- oh, that's quite zone. a good one, though. Yeah, the dead zone. Uh, made good. by Cronenberg as well. No, yeah. there we are. Yeah, Tell so it, it looks kind of interesting and a bit bloodshot and weird, but it, it plays weird in a fairly normal environment and things like that, and that's very Cronenberg's really. Um, but yeah, it's the same cinematographer and it's music by the same people. Came in and clapped, and again, mm. so the winning team. The point, and it's still edited by Stuart Bed, so there's there's absolute continuity here. It's the same team turning up a couple of years later to see if they can sort of repeat the trick. And they did. Uh, they did. What I didn't see, and I'm just going to go back to last week because I've completely forgotten, is okay. This film cost about double what the first one cost. But it took nearly double as well. Oh, I'd be me. interested to know, and I'll just check in a minute whether this is the high water mark. We'll, we'll see. I, I'm not going to announce that this year, uh, this week. Sorry. Um, no. Okay. We'll talk about that uh, when we get to you know um, the, the last two films in the series. Um, that's it on background. In terms of uh, me with the film. It's exactly the same as last week. Boringly predictable. I cannot remember when I first saw it. Um, I remember certain bits about it. I remember the sort of him yelling diplomatic immunity near the end, partly because Kevin Smith has made fun of that for years. Um, Patsy Kensit stood out like a sore thumb to me, but that's because she's so well-known, or was certainly so well-known in this country, and not really chiefly for her acting, if truth be told. Um, when the film started tonight and I was watching it, I, that first scene with Hans, the guy they're chasing in the car, I was trying so desperately to place him. And for a moment, I wondered if it was um, Jigsaw. But it's not. Mark Walston, he, he's probably best known for playing Boggs in um, The Shawshank Redemption. The guy who was basically raping Andy Dufresne in it. 
And the only other people I sort of just wanted to quickly point out before we go any further is Jeanette Goldstein is in this. Um, yeah. She was Vasquez in Aliens and she was also John Connor's adoptive mum in Terminator 2, amongst other things. And Dean Norris is a detective. Dean Norris is probably best known now for his role in Breaking Bad as Walter White's uh, brother-in-law. Yeah, he's popped up in other films. He's he's in Terminator 2, actually. He's one of like the, the SWAT guys. Um uh, towards the end of the film, but he's also in yes. Total Recall. He's the kind of guy with the kind of weird, kind of, or like the well, I say guy, the, that kind of alien with the weird kind of like scar across his, across his face. Yeah, yeah. With one of, um, yeah, that that's him. Um, uh, he's been in lots and lots of stuff. I mean, I'm just running through his filmography now, and it's it's just a load of films. Yeah, so there's lots of like prop, lots of um, roles, you know, actors in this film that have been. You know, it's like kind of almost like before they were famous. Um, been in lots of other different things, so I was kind of like, oh, he's from so and so, he's from so and so. But yeah, I recognised Dean Norris. I was like, oh, I know that guy. He was in um, he was in the Last Seduction, which is the best film hardly anyone I ever talked to has seen. Linda <coughs> Fiorentino's birthday it was yesterday. A real sort of later attempt at film noir. It's really good. The Last Seduction. He's Gattaca. Starship Not Jade. <laughs> Not Jade. No, that was. Um, that's, that's freaking so. that the day. That. But uh, I've, I've not seen that. I've kind of wanted to see it because I know it's meant to be terrible. I've seen Jade. It's just nothing really but the last seduction is really really good um and she's really really good in it it's one of those films that you watch and you just go how was she not a much much bigger star yeah um because she was just i've 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 rarely seen screen presence like it um it's she's incredible in it and the film is really really good but um yeah, so again, I can't say too much more in terms of like build into this because I, I really just don't remember when I first saw it. What about you guys? Uh, is it the first time for you, Becca, this viewing? Yeah, yeah, th this series I've never seen before. Um, although this one I did, I might have seen it like on, on, vi on video or something years ago. Um, and I just I remember the, the exploding pool scene and the exploding toilet scene. <laughs> oh my god. I don't know why these two stand out at me. I think it's just because the stunts are just so audacious. Um, but yeah, apart from this, all these Lethal Weapon movies, um, I've never ever seen them. So I'll probably be watching them like for the first time. Yeah. Whilst we go through the series, I know you guys have seen it all before. Maybe seen it at the cinema. Um, but yeah, for me, I've been saving it up especially. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can remember when I actually first saw this because I'm. It, it was in a. I, I watched it on TV and I. I I can't remember because I think it was, I want to say it was on at the same time as Airplane, and this was like back in the day where like, I, I, you know, I didn't have a, a, a VHS because I think it was in a hotel room, so I was like, oh, kind of flipping between the two, <laughs> so do nothing where you're kind of like flipping between. So I was first watching like both those movies for the first time, I like had to flip through both of them, <laughs> so that, that that was kind of like my my, my first experience of. Uh, of watching this one, but you know, it's been, it's been like like *Leaf Weapon*. It's been like uh, a safe film that like pops up uh, every so often, and I always get I used to always get a little bit excited when when this one was on because I think I've seen *Leaf Weapon* more, but when this one came on TV back in the day, I was like, oh, yeah, go 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 see this one because I think it's just a lot more like action orientated as well. As I think the the actual the action scenes are a bit more are, are ramped up uh, a bit more. I'd say so. I certainly know when I watched the first one, um, there are exceptions, and I certainly don't think the action's bad. 
But when I watched it again last week, the action was almost a distraction. You know, it was. It, it, I, I wanted it almost more like Pulp Fiction with Jules mm. and like uh, Vincent. I wanted them just sort of sat around nattering in like diners and stuff. Yeah, I wasn't that fussed about the action set pieces. I think the action, the film starts faster this time and stays a bit faster, with some exceptions. I don't think it holds its pace quite as well throughout. In that, there's quite a baggy section after that first opening bit. There yeah. was just a bit where it, Riggs is, uh, I think he was cooking, wasn't he? Mm. And he's talking to Murtaugh's wife in the kitchen because he just eats there a lot and his laundry's done there, although he still lives in that trailer. Uh, is it a trailer or is it a little apartment now, a little beach house or something? But yeah, yeah he it's, still it's lives. It's like a trailer, yeah. He lives, still lives there. But the point is, um, he was he was there talking about the death of his wife, which I'm, I'm glad was there as a scene in the... Um, it put a bit of meat on the bone. It was complete set up for the payoff that's coming later on. It told you something about his, his mental state, given where he, how he was, what his demeanour was like telling the story. But I do remember looking at the clock and it was like, I don't know, 18, 19 minutes in and I was thinking the first one kept a much more sort of steady pace mm. than this one. This one's a bit more sort of peaks and troughs. I don't know what you think. Yeah, well, yeah, it was kind of rewritten though, um, because obviously Shane, it's just, it's story by Shane Black though. How much of that story is is there? Because he he initially wrote a script for it that was uh, play Corwell. He, he called it play Dirty, but that's just like the working title of the script, whatever. I did hear Riggs dies at the end of that script. Yeah, um, and his general thesis was it was obviously a lot darker, and it would be like his the idea reading what. Shane Black wrote it, said like, well, Riggs would literally sac- like would sacrifice himself to like save like Murtaugh and his family. Was the idea now? How that happens in in in, in the story, I don't know because it's not been released. But um, it was like sort of stuff, the end like... film is similar enough that you've only got to change, you've only got to tweak the final scene, and you, you've got yeah. that. So, but it, it would be like very similar, but you don't know. It would be like yeah, like uh, you know, there's the East End and the big sort of like bushfire somewhere or and you know there's, mm. there's talk of like uh, a plane being exploded with filled with cocaine and then like and, and like snowing Los Angeles with cocaine like it's snow <laughs> it's like kind of lots of like sort of stuff like that but eventually like very sort of dark um and... always keep your mouth or, mouth or nostrils open when you're watching a plane crash <laughs> yes <in> LA, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah no it is it's sort of um and sort of wanted to make like a bit more uh, emotional uh, ending uh, with it obviously with Rick Stein, but um, he, he, I, th- I think that's probably sounds more right thinking about it continuity when you think about the first film and just how much of a tragic character Riggs is. It makes sense for him to kind of go down that path. I, I think it makes sense in, in in actually the context of the film we got in the. Three and four comes along and changes this somewhat mm. from memory. Well, certainly, I say from memory, like I might be wrong. It, definitely, think of the last scene of the final film. I mean, we know what's coming. Becca doesn't, but things do get a little bit better for for Riggs. Let's just say that. Spoiler alert! <laughs> but at this, but at this stage, um, this is a guy that that is looking like he'll never be happy again, and actually to be able to get by and function somewhat normally 
and find a little bit of happiness around a family and a few laughs and a few like exciting you know work days and missions and things like that to die at the end of that would almost be a win like he had a couple of years at the end that were sort of tolerable there is something about this film that is totally unbalanced in the way that the first one isn't now i don't think it's a bad film at all just sort of straying into opening thoughts here i don't think it's a bad film at all i enjoyed it i think the action's a little bit better i think the lethal weapon of the title you're absolutely right in what you said becca last week because i remember the tagline when this film came out i was only about 11 when it came out but um it said something like danny glover carries a lethal weapon mel gibson is one so the lethal weapon of the title is mel gibson that's the theory anyway and i think and this is from memory because i can't quite remember the tone of the third one too well this is the last time where he feels in any way that there's still a slight unpredictability to him there's still a little bit of devil may care about it all there's still a little bit of i'm more stable now and i'm not going to put anyone else's life in danger but that doesn't necessarily speak for my own i will still take some degree of risk and when we watch the first film because you're cutting between some wise cracks and him sat you know with a gun in his mouth that should play really dark but because i think what what i think i came to last week is because i think we start on such a dark scene with mrs woody boyd um i think we were primed for these this kind of like black nature to the to it and the humor in it this film i I thought was a lot more unbalanced as evidenced by the fact that he's just been shot and he's laughing and joking with murtaugh moments you know within minutes if not hours at most of a woman he's just got involved with being killed and finding out what happened to his wife I know he's had a measure of revenge, but there's something. It reminds me of the end of *License to Kill*, where Leaf, you know, Felix is, you know, let's go fishing and, you know, having a bit of a laugh on the phone, and he, he's he's in hospital, missing legs, or a leg, and he's just had his wife killed, and he's like on the phone going, "See you next week." Mm. There's something a bit like that in this film. It's not deal breaking. I enjoyed it, but the wit. Maybe it's because. I mean, racism is bad, um, okay, was still the message 30 years ago. I'm not suggesting it wasn't, but it's become an even more hot button issue now. And this just all plays, this all hits a little bit harder now, just deliberately going around killing black cops and things like that. It just feels worse. And it's, it's all mixed up in the narrative around police and everything else at the moment. So I found this film a lot more unbalanced than the first one. I found it not quite as well paced as the first one but mel gibson is still charismatic and still dangerous as a character so it gets it gets a more than passing grade from me becca what are your thoughts i can't say further than that really um yeah i think it's always one of those things isn't it? the first film was was so successful um proved you know a, a critical and a box office smash um launched Mel Gibson well one of the major films that launched Mel Gibson's career definitely in in, in America um and sort of paves the way on to you know to sort of become the sort of actor director writer producer that you know that he is um he has been for, for many many years um and it's always difficult you know so you know the sequel it, it you know it takes quite a lot of 
um, sort of getting into. So, but you know, ensuring that this the first one was a success um, paved the way for this film definitely. Um, I don't know if I prefer it or not. <laughs> I'm still debating. I only saw it for the first time like the other night, and I was like, mm. but no, I, I will agree with like the obviously the, the racism and the um, anti-South African sentiment of this film. Obviously, is as you said both of you it's, it's very much a film like of its time it is wrapped up in the politics of, of late 80s early 90s of apartheid and that sort of thing um i sort of won't go into it too much but like at the time around that sort of time as well like my parents for example um they did sort of like boycott any any produce from south africa obviously they're obviously really anti-apartheid obviously it's terrible terrible thing but they were just sort of like boycott everything so and and that you know sort of mentioned the the offensive term is something that just because I've got family in South Africa and it's a bit of a touchy subject, so I won't go on about it too much. Um, and I, I was just really shocked because it's not something you hear very often. And I was like, oh my god! So I found it quite a difficult watch in, in that respect. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would agree. Um, like the action, the action scenes are a lot better. The um, set pieces are a lot more audacious, um, a lot more shocking. Um, like there's a scene where I think one of his is it, um, the wife sort of gets killed in. You know, taking a jump um, off a diving board into a pool and it's just a massive explosion, and that was a real shocker for me. Um, yeah, great action scenes. Um, I would kind of agree that it's, I would kind of say that it's it's more pacey. I, even though it's kind of like an hour and a half, two hours, I didn't really feel its runtime. It moved along at quite you know quite a whip cracking pace. Um, Joe Pesci, I thought was, I thought oh god, he's going to be sort of the annoying, you know, sort of chatty, typically stereotypical sort of character that he plays. Um, no, he was fine, been great. Um, was great in fact and again they still got the chemistry but yeah i would i would kind of agree um the yeah but, but, but because you know he's still very much like the lethal weapon he's you know this time it's personal um and uh, that makes it kind of all the more palpable i think for me definitely um but no so yeah i still in, 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 well, if i can enjoy this film i just find it sort of grittier and, and harder um and despite its difficult subject matter um I still, you know, still quite. It's a worthy entry into the into the franchise for sure. Sorry, it's I, a bit of a roundabout way. So no, no, I, I organise my ideas properly. You, so sorry about that. You, you've kind of reminded me of like you know of like you know, it's you know it's uh what it's personal now. It's just, I mean, it has hasn't has an air of that. Um, well, it, that, it does that, at the end, especially, doesn't it? Because he, you know, he finds out who who killed his wife and all the rest of it. Yeah, but it, it's it like the, does, um, it is personal. But it's so like it isn't that journey. There was but a little it was bit. personal with Patsy Kensit, and Patsy Kensit in this film far less than I remember. There was a. Um... To, to be honest, like when you said it, it was Patsy Kensit, I I was thinking, you know, some felt like her later roles. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I think my well, idea of her rotation is that she's not like a great actor. Obviously. Well, I, this is it. This is what I was thinking. I was thinking, oh my god, she's going to be in it. She's going to be terrible. Blah, blah. But yeah, she's you know it's a relatively minor role, um, and and she does she does her role well, and she's very believable as yeah, as the kind of main love interest, and it's, it's, it's you know very I sad. Did, I did still. believe Riggs was shagging her. Yes, that, that was very. That was very. That, 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 that was the thing I was kind of getting to. It kind of vibe with that um, Harry Enfield sketch. She was like, "You I loved her, you didn't you?" Yeah, that's <laughs> like, it's like no, you, you forced her to your house. Not forced, as in coerced, but forced, as in no. seemed to guilt her a bit into it. To your to her house, uh, to your house once. Within minutes, you were in bed. That went on for a decent length of time. Well done. Um, <laughs> they had a dog, so and then that was it. You know. Um, yeah, you, you, you kind of like got got attacked by machine gun fire. You, you, you got away, and then um... yeah, you nearly got killed, but never mind. 
you can just imagine gunfire coming through the window and you just go, I've never known, I've never known a man try that in bed before. <laughs> That's amazing. What a technique. Um, so, yeah, he goes off. I mean, he says to kill them. I, I don't know. I still think it's more caught up in his wife. But Yeah, yeah it, is. After it, is. That, it is. It is really. But he's, 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 laughing, ha- he's laughing at a joke, a play on words around that late racial slur and credits. And it's like, ha, 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 ha. You know. Um, it, it is like episodes of Star Trek or Thundercats or something uh, where they I, all laugh together at the end. I will defend that slightly uh, with two kind of points. Uh, one, you could say it's like you know gallows humor kind of type thing. You you, you you laugh when you're at pain, but he has just essentially just avenged his wife's death, so it's probably be a bit relief <clears throat> from that. Yeah, like, it's a little bit like that. It's kind of like <clears throat> if you didn't cry, you laugh think, sort of thing. So it's like kind of, kind of, you get some sort of catharsis from that. that. The, the only thing I'll add on that is that with both films, it is entirely a matter of opinion. Because just tying into what Becca said, uh, preferring Lethal Weapon 2 is not an uncommon view. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's a majority view. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. But, I'm just because say... I've seen them both recently, I'm kind of thinking, oh, if I prefer, but I, just I because I've seen them recently. But I mean, first one is an absolute classic, and I will, yeah. it, you know, infinite rewatch value for sure. But oh well, I'm not saying I don't no, dislike I, it. I, I'm definitely <laughs> saying, though, that it. It's not a controversial view to prefer Lethal Weapon 2. Controversial. Oh, it rhymes. I, I, I don't know that it's necessarily... Like I say, I don't think it's a majority view, but I think it's like a very, very significant minority view. And I do think that when when I'm talking about tone with either of them, I don't think there's an absolute on it. I, I don't think it's like... Well, the first one has balances its tone better, and the second one does it badly. I think it's literally how you react to it. You can make an argument for what the characters are doing, but I think all I'm saying is I felt more whiplash in the changes of tone this week than I did last week. Well, I think the the reasons why um, I think it's kind of why um, <coughs> Dave thought it kind of was a bit baggy, and I think the same reason why Becca actually thought it it flowed quite well is there was a there was a like a deliberate attempt to add humour to it, to this time around. So it's very, very jokey. You know, a lot more kind of like humorous type sort of scenes. Lots of back and forth between the characters, especially with Joe Pesci. Um, you know, that was kind of like the the comedic Well, the thing psychic. that springs to mind when you say they've added humour is the whole condom advert bit. Oh well, yeah. I mean, that is just like. I mean, you, you don't necessarily did. Did anyone watching this as an adult? I'd be interested to know because I watched it when I was still a child. But as an adult, I watch it, and of course I think I remember this. I'm pretty sure that I remember it as it's starting to happen. But like as an adult, you can see what's going to happen here. This is going to be an inappropriately adult thing she's advertising. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing, thing, I was, thing I was questioning is, like, surely he'd know beforehand? Like, surely you'd be like, oh, like, you're like, oh, you're like, in an advert, oh, like, what are you advertising? Our film's an advert, great. So what's for dinner? It's like four. Yeah, surely 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 he know before she went on to film it. Surely. And you also think, yeah, because I think she might still no, she wouldn't be a minor because it's a sex related advert. So she's got to be eighteen, I would have thought. But uh, you think a he'd ask, and b. If they're sitting down to watch an advert where she's going, yes, we use these condoms, she might just tell her father. Because she doesn't strike me as cruel. She doesn't look like she's going to like revel in making him that uncomfortable. Yeah. 
very strange. But it was funny. It made me yeah. Laugh, even though I could see the joke, quote on, <laughs> pardon the pun, coming a mile away. <laughs> I don't know, it's a bit of a stretch. Um, Dirty. <laughs> I wish it was a bit of a stretch. Anyway, carry on. Um, yeah, so obviously there's, there's more of a attempt to make it more humorous, which is obviously a, a, a huge, like, uh, a step away from the original, which is a lot more darker, uh, which is kind of more of the, like, the Shane Black type, type sort of tone. So I think there was heading in a lighter direction, and I think the reason why some people will probably prefer this, or, or, or might prefer this one, because this is kind of like the balance between the, the dark, heavy action and the humour. This has, like, both of them in, whereas, like, the third one leans a little bit towards a bit more like light-hearted humour. And the fourth one casts Chris Rock as well as Joe Pesci. Yes. Um, so, you know, so it kind of has that unbalance. Uh, I think, I think for me, it it, it it's yeah. I I, I, I agree with uh, what you said, Dave. Is um, I, I won't I, I won't sort of begrudge anyone who says this is their favourite. Uh, I I think I prefer the first one, though. This one is actually always an enjoyable watch <clears throat> for me. Uh, the villains are probably more memorable, even though they're in a very sort of bright and colourful, cartoony way. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like I, 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 it's it's weird because whenever I think of South Africa, I always sort of think of this. You know, like I think this film introduced me to to like the South African accent. So whenever I do like, so my so if I do an impression of South of South African accent, oh, my, my head always goes to Leaf Weapon Two with the bad guys. Yeah, basically, how, how they doing, say you're you're doing an aging British actor doing. A <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're like sort of who's the dickhead now, officer? <laughs> my dear officer, you could not give me a parking ticket. Yeah, well, that would be I'm South African, you know. What's your first name? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't try and do. I say it was my my grand sister actually lives there, and and her family live out there at the moment, and it's just like she she wouldn't be able to come back over. <laughs> it would just be so difficult. Um, but yeah, that, that does. Like, yeah, that actually does kind of obviously you know remind me of them because they they do that. You know, that's how they sound. But it's just like, oh my gosh, really? I won't try I, to I, do. I I'll, I'll save your ears. It'll be fine. <laughs> Some accents you get a feel for. Certainly when I hear British accents, I can tell what's wrong with them or right with them. When I hear Brits do an American accents, I can often, because so much of our entertainment yeah, is from tell, that country. You? Yeah. South African, bit different. I mean, I can, I'm reasonably sensitive to it. I mean, I, I would suggest most Brits can't tell the difference between Australia and New Zealand, and I quite clearly can. It's very different. There are some uh, subtle differences. Um, but South African, I couldn't tell you whether someone doing it is doing it well or not, within reason. No, but I think when, when you've got a sort of a, a you know legendary actor like Joss Ackland, for example, you can kind of you know you can or you know you can sort of pull it off that sort of thing really because he's yeah. got such such skill as an actor. Um, I, I don't know, I you know, regards to this film's cast um, and some like the more minor roles, I don't know if they recruited you know either people who could do really good accents or who were South African themselves, for example. You know, to well, give certainly his main henchman is an, his main henchman's an mm. American actor. Yeah, definitely. So, but I think that's, yeah, it's, I, I won't try to do the accent because it's terrible. <laughs> no, I don't, honestly. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I love the idea that we won't mention a word in case it's a, re- a, a really, really offensive racial slur, but we'll sit there and do comedy versions of the accent. No, let's leave it. Did, did it strike everyone that like all the bad guys kind of look like they, they belong in an office somewhere? 
they don't look like your typical like bad guy henchmen. No, they really don't. I mean, they, they the kind of like sort of bold, like slightly yeah. balding, like like sort of like guys in their forties. Well, even the a bit boring. Henchman, you know, he, he just looks like. I don't know. If you were in a different universe, you could have cast him in something like Marathon Man in the sort of... I mean, he would be the wrong age, but you know what I mean? Kind of like a slightly genteel dentist or something who turns out to be quite dark under it all. Yeah, I mean, he looks like, you know... He kind of looks like he should be like, you know, like a football manager or something. He doesn't, you know... It doesn't help that they're all wearing blazers. <laughs> that, you know, that, that type of thing. Um, but, yeah. yeah, no. I mean, yeah... So just to wrap up my my final thoughts, I guess. Uh, yeah, I do. I think it's um, I think it's very entertaining. Uh, I I I do think it kind of lumbers away. The plot isn't as tight, but I think the focus is a lot more on like the action scenes and and uh, kind of like the comedic sort of like gags and and setups and just sort of the characters just um, bantering with each other. Well, essentially. Would you would you would you say that in terms of character motivations and everything else? The, the film has far less reason for being possibly even than three which I'm, which I'm not going to argue from memory is a better film because I'm pretty sure from memory it isn't but last I mean last week was they both had very strong and differing motivations mm. and arcs through the plot whereas this is just their second adventure this is just their, like their sophomore effort I, d- I don't see the same character drives in our two leads no. Which makes you, which when you're saying the plot is not as tight or driven, I almost feel like the whole enterprise isn't. It's like they, they haven't quite worked out it's, what it, their it, next it, chapter it, is. It, it is just like next case. Yeah. And they are just like, you know, they're, they're doing things because they are cops. And that's, and that's the motivation. And I mean, yeah, things get a bit personal when they're personally attacked as the film goes on. But I see what you mean. There's no like subtext to any of it there's no like personal journeys or i mean I, 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 not that i can see anyway no so i think that's what i kept thinking is i mean Christ, i mean Riggs has, Riggs has Riggs has the revelation about like what happened but yeah well i mean j- just off the point this is going to tie into the point because literally since we've been on air i've read that creed 3 has been announced for thanksgiving next year directed by michael b jordan himself Oh. Now the point I think going firstly we will cover it because we we are in the rocky business, um, but secondly, films get announced before we know what they are. Quite often in series, it's like, well, we've made enough money, we'll announce *Lethal Weapon* two, we'll figure out what it is. Even with small, slightly smaller efforts like *Knives Out*, we know there's going to be a sequel to it. We know it'll be a murder mystery somewhere, but we don't know what. And they probably didn't quite know when they started saying, "Should we do one?" So I'm well. It's not that I think every film should have this overwhelming reason for being, but I, I kind of feel this one is kind of spilling, spinning its wheels a bit, whereas at least next week they move Riggs on a little bit, or they start to move him on a little bit. Mm. But anyway, shall we discuss this film sequentially, folks? Yes, why not? So one of the first things I noticed when, I, when this film started was... You notice like the Warner Brothers kind of like sort of starts off. It's like a Looney Tunes cartoon. I don't. I'm not sure if I noticed. Yeah, I wondered that as well. I sort of heard strains of like Looney Tunes theme. Because it kind of because it's not necessarily like you see it's the music. It sort of has you always expect it to go like 
I was going to say the same. I was like, did you hear? So I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I, it was almost I was like, like a... It was sort of late, late one night when I was watching. I thought, did my ears deceive me? So I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to ask the same. I'm glad I'm not going crazy. It was almost like, <laughs> well, I mean, that's very different to where we started the last film, I suppose. I mean, even down to the, the posters for this film. So, I mean, the, the, the posters for this film were very like a redux of the first one, but in colour. And with them all looking just slightly warmer. You know what I mean? The first they, film they, looked they, bit... they, they look like in a very sort of embrace. They look like a couple. <laughs> it did remind me of that pirated version of um, Thor The Dark World. Mm. Where it, uh, if you bought it somewhere in like the Far East, there was versions circulating where the cover art was Hemsworth with his arms around Tom Hiddleston instead of um, Natalie Portman. I don't know if it was deliberate. Well, the, you know, the, the, like this, you know the, this sort of these the series could probably be like the ultimate bromance, really, couldn't it? Because you do, you know, even I though they even though they are colleagues and, and the cops, you know, I, I they are very much partners. Well, um, even though they're married, but. <laughs> I did have a Fast and Furious moment at the end. When they were talking, I did think, and then they make love. <laughs> and then they kiss. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's yeah. definitely kind of a, you know, a very I, much I, there. The, the poster well. to this film, if it wasn't for the fact I think you can see the gun in it, the headline over it could say, why we're finally adopting. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that, maybe that's the new film that's coming out. They're going to, you know, yeah. make it official. <laughs> yeah, anyway... <laughs> But no, no, I, I, I don't mean that in any sort of disparaging way at all. I mean, you no, know, this, none of us do. This, this film is, 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 you know, is based on the um, the great camaraderie and the great sort of on-screen chemistry um, between the two leads, definitely. I um, mean, it's an iconic pairing for sure, um, and you know, classic movie cops. So they why do not? play on the development of it, and they do it in the opening scene. So I watched the opening scene twice, or more <coughs> specifically, I watched sort of the opening thirty seconds of it twice. Because the film seemed to start so abruptly, I thought I'd missed something. Because I definitely missed what you're on about with like the Looney Tunes thing. I must have been shutting down my computer or doing something else. Uh, but I caught the start of the scene, and suddenly Mel Gibson is fucking whooping. And I'm yeah. like, what have I missed? All right, So I, I, I let it run a few more seconds, and Dispatcher telling them you're about to hit each other. And I'm like, hit who? I'm confused. And I went back and just watched that 30 seconds again. And it is meant to drop you right in the middle of something anyway. Um, but it's like how much he's enjoyed his job. So we can see that he's in a different place, sort of, although he always kind of liked the job. Um, but I just want to skip to the very end of this scene. And perhaps, Chris, you can fill in like the bit in between. But at the end, where they sort of go over to the crashed vehicle and they think it's in the... They're both talking to the various cops around them and bystanders like you normally would. Like, can you go and get this, go and do this, create a perimeter, all that sort of thing. But it's garbled nonsense. And I don't know if you picked up on that. And it is almost like that they're so used to each other that they've got a bit of a shorthand and they understand each other whether there's words. But also it was a really hot octane adventure they've just had and their blood's up. So they're just kind of babbling. I don't know if you noticed that. No, I mean, I was just wondering, like, how the fuck did that guy get away? Because he like, obviously disappears like a fucking ninja. I had a Nick, Nick Fury moment. I assumed he drilled through the <laughs> road or something. Yeah, yeah, just crashed his car, so obviously... But managed to sort of sneak away without anyone... Because it's not as if, like, it was, like, in a in a in an area which, like, lots of, like, escape exits were... Or, or places you can sort of sneak and hide hide away from 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 the cops. It's like 
no, the, the cops around and like there, there was an open area you would just clearly see him run off somewhere and it's just like how the fuck where the fuck did he go he's like you know you know he's, he's a fuck anyway anyway that's there was no sign of exit was there and I can't imagine if a car lands there was, on there was the plenty roof. of space like he would have clearly been seen no matter where he we went well, without the, getting into other, other than the back of the disaster. shop, which is the one place that the cops don't actually go in. <laughs> well, it's it's only the fact that I mean, the one thing in films that's like I wouldn't say a bugbear of mine because it doesn't matter. It's just you know part of the language of these films. But when a car lands on its roof, you ain't getting the door open, are you? You know what I mean? The whole frame's like bent and screwed. Up, you know, it's not really going to work. So you can't really see how he got out, and they were on that car very very quickly. So it, it really doesn't matter. It's it's just to reintroduce the characters and also imply, because they pick up on the accent, both units that are driving, the other one's got Dean Norris in it. Mm. They're both, they're both, they're chasing each other to chase a, a suspect, basically. And they're taking bets yeah. back at the courthouse on who's going to win. Who's driving Murtar and his wife's new whatever? And it's like, <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm not taking that bet, you know? So I I can understand what they're trying to do here but it's a really strange thing to it's a strange way to to play the scene i don't know but anyway it reintroduces us they know they pick up on the accents if you're in any way sensitive to accents watching this film you'll pick it up as it's certainly intended to be south african yeah but the, they don't know that they're like is that japanese i don't know that <laughs> it's like there's random accent on the thing that they're chasing two cars and they both split up uh, and one um, one where the other cops sort of chase and, what, and the other one where it's a Murtar chasing and it sets up this this thing where Mur- it's Murtar's wife's car constantly getting like damaged throughout the entire movie it, it's, it's, it comes like a re- recurring joke within the film it reminded um, me of the car from like National Lampoon's Vacation it just seemed very like yeah it's like I can't imagine that I'm, I'm surprised they're that proud of it but there you go <laughs> yeah and it's beige as well. <laughs> it's a sort of beige type. Look. It, it it is like yeah, it's an old man's car really. Um, and yeah, so uh, and and of course it does its thing where they catch up with uh one one set of, uh the villains and like a helicopter just turns out from fucking nowhere. <laughs> it was again. It's like it's like repeated the first time. <laughs> a helicopter turned yeah. out from fucking nowhere. Yeah. Um, with no sound, um, yeah. So they, they, the the guy crashes the car. B gets away, but they find lots of like gold coins, and um, yeah. Uh, fun fact: midway through, uh, Spielberg apparently visited the set during the the filming of this this uh, the opening scene at some point. Did he? Yeah, because apparently he liked the first one so much he wanted to come visit. But it was also he's like probably filming um, or about to film Last Crusade as well. Yeah, highest person so, this year. Yeah, so Richard Donner, like, sort of said, I, I wonder if he was just making sure that, you know, yeah, that we well, would fuck it up or not. Well, <laughs> just said the scriptwriter did both, so he could easily, you know, meet his, mm. come and meet his friend, Jeffrey Bone, one set. So, yeah, that's that's entirely possible. Um, so, yeah, uh, the, the main point of this scene is they're chasing somebody. Uh, it's There's South African elements to it. The guy gets away. That's about it, really, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and I'm straight to we're back at the police station. We're Riggs in a straight jacket. 
Oh, the bit we've missed. Sorry, the one bit we've missed is when they uh, they bust open the boot of the car, the the trunk, and a load of gold coins come out, mm. which is basically Krugerrand, which I, I assume is the South African currency. Although it looks like sort of those chocolate things you get at Christmas. <laughs> it doesn't look like real money to me. Yeah, it's almost like sort of treasure gold, isn't it? Yeah. Um, again, set up and pay off. Uh, we see Riggs in a, a straitjacket. Uh, I think it was quite clear to me, certainly as an adult watching now and knowing how films work, that that's going to pay off later. Yeah. I seem to. I, I think I saw. I, I think I saw Lethal Weapon three after Lethal Weapon two, because I saw him do similar in that film uh, to put his shoulder back, and I think he might have done it more often in that film. Mm-hmm. Like they lent on the joke more. And then, of course, I went back to this film. I'm like, okay, they're just expanding out on something they did here. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that in the third. But anyway, I will get to it. I remember Rick Mertar kicking, kicking a, a bottle, um, one of those big sort of water cooler things. Um, I've got this image in my mind of Riggs do, doing it in the third film. I thought it was on mm. like a building site or somewhere. It was definitely outside. Yeah, you could, be, you could be right because I've seen the third film less. So my memory well, I, I of it is much... once, so I could be completely wrong. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So Riggs in his shape sets up that, um, and you also get the setup for uh, Murtaugh's daughter in his and the first TV appearance. Riggs uh, makes it publicly known to us. Hey, everybody! Well, you know, what watch it. Um, channel channel whatever it is. Channel eight at at seven seven p.m. or whatever it is. Um, Johnny's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so we're, we're, we see Murtaugh go, go back to his home. They're, they're having worked on the house. Is he having like a big garage extension for his boat? I think that's what it is. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's just... Uh, to be honest, I think it almost ma- doesn't matter what. I think it's almost the film has to... Re- yeah. like, it needs a reason for his wife not to be there. But I think also this film is constantly going to remind us of the slight generational difference between him and Riggs. So Riggs in this film is going to have what well, it turns out because of circumstance to be a one night stand, but you know a one night stand in like a trailer by the beach, and the older guy is having like home improvements done. <laughs> yeah, um, entirely and... different forms of erection. <laughs> and he's having, uh, and he's having uh, the, the whole the whole family's there watching. Um, they, obviously, the the big point he can't have tuna because of like. Yeah, you know, the because of like the, the caught up in, in dolphins. dolphins, yeah, um, which is something that, that that I don't remember. I mean, I don't remember what that doesn't come back. That's not like something that pays off or something, is it? It's just like I can't no, assume. it's just a thing. Again, I think that's meant to be humorous in the in some weird way. I think that's meant to be a women are socially conscious and b Riggs's uh, motors are outnumbered. And he's got wife and oldest daughter trying to teach him like proper ethics. Yeah, don't, don't it, it doesn't pay off. It's something and nothing. I think it's more. I, th- I think the worst thing you can do in the scenes in the house is think of everything as like having payoffs. It's it's more the fact that we're having time with them, around yeah. around the sort of the family. Um, and then so if everyone's got you got like you know this other kid called George. <laughs> He, he's, he appears to be like the boyfriend, current boyfriend of, of his daughter. Um, and yeah. To be so... honest, if I was him, 
remembering how he looked in this film um, and how young he looked, I feel very insecure watching her in a condom advert with the guy <laughs> that was in the advert. Because <laughs> it's the sort of guy who would just kick sand in his face. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's, a, it's, it's an advert for, for Rubber Johnnies. <laughs> Rubber Johnnies. <laughs> I don't, know if, I don't know if that's how our American friends refer to them. Write in. Do you expect us to... If you, if you wear rubber johnnies, write to us. <laughs> we haven't heard that term since school. Rubber johnnies. I've never used it... Yeah, I've never used it as an adult. I've never said to a woman, do I have to wear a rubber johnny? <laughs> Quick, rubber johnny. <laughs> sorry, Chris, I'm not... I don't sorry, love, sorry. Just, um, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll be back. I've got to go and get some... <laughs> <laughs> Ripped for your pleasure. <laughs> Start by yourself, love. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, oh my god, sorry. Right. Hey, do you reckon Becca's had some funny flashback there? <laughs> oh, I'm laughing too hard. <laughs> She's like, oh, I remember. The... Oh, <laughs> I remember it well. While I'm heading down to the nose, I'm like, oh, here and play with this. Latex Mac give you the general idea of what's on its way. Wish, wish. Anyway, yeah, so <laughs> it's an yeah. advert for rubber johnnies. And we uh, have never said... Though, how she doesn't tell her, you know, her dad, obviously, and it's just like, he's like, everybody, get the kids upstairs. He's just seething in front of the TV screen. Just like, oh, I've never sounded more British as an ad, as a, except when I asked, when I suggested like hobnobs for the Queen, have we ever sounded more British than when we've sat here discussing the fact that this film has a Rubber Johnny commercial? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. That is a term you probably won't hear outside of schools. No, not the teachers. My teenagers, oh my god. No offence to you, Chris, no offence at all. Oh no, can't take it. Um, if anything, I'm glad I said it for comedic effects, so there you are. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Myr- Myrtle's embarrassed, like obviously. Anyway, the, moving on, moving on. The, even the workman's there, go, <laughs> yeah, maybe want to go buy, buy, buy a rubber jockey right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've forgotten that line, and you've just said it as I was trying to drink tea, which makes me sound <laughs> even more British. I had a mouthful of tea then. Was your pinky up? As long as it's pinky, your pinky is up, you're fine. No, 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 no. I, I'm just aware we, we're, we're, you know, we're, we've got a worldwide audience, so I'm trying to drink it normally. <laughs> anyway, right, yeah. so, um, yes, makes <laughs> he doesn't say, for the avoidance of doubt, he does not say the dialogue that makes me want to buy a rubber jelly. I think he says, I just makes me want to go buy rubbers right now. I think he says, I think he says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, yeah, uh, Murtard kicks um, the, you know, his daughter's friends out. Um, in, in a typical funny way, he just reminds him that he's got a gun. <laughs> I have a gun. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we cut to next scene is uh, we're introduced to the villains. It's um, it's oh, what's his name? Well, the, the the main the guy they were chasing was called Hans. Yes, and the the, the, the Joss Ackland's character is is, is called Arjen, I think. Yeah, Arjen Ar- Rudd or something. Yeah. Um, well, I'm only going by. I, I don't know if there's there's sort of a link to the Dutch language because the the only thing that made me think of was Iron Robin, the footballer. He was Dutch, mm. and I don't know. If well, it's there the is, yeah, so, yeah, because because they are like yeah. colonized Josh, by Dutch, Josh weren't Ackland, they? 
about two weeks ago turned 93. He's still alive at the time of recording, but we won't put too much stock on that. Um, yeah, he's um, he said he's having like decoration done because there's basically uh, like a rubber mat, not a rubber Johnny, a rubber mat in his office, and he basically just shoots hands for the fact that like he you failed me. It's a bomb. Yeah. It's a typical bomb. That, that's got to be like that's that's got to be a trip made by the Bond series though. It's like, you know, sort of sat behind a desk stroking a cat, you know, like sort of pressing a button because you failed. I will not tolerate failure. Yeah, you know. pretty much. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he shoots him. There, there's a callback on that later where um, is is sort of the other guy, what's he called? Vorstet has like quite a funny line based on it because he's later on they're saying, you know, he's basically saying to Vorset how he failed and he, he's just looking around. He said, well, I'm just checking. I'm not stood on rubber. He's got <laughs> plastic or plastic rather and it's yeah. plastic because he's about to shoot him. Some of the gut blood everywhere. So what do we learn? Do we learn anything about them at this point? Do we realise that he's a console yet? No, we just sort of... Well, I think we just introduced that sort of they're the bad guys and they're, they're the ones that are up to something. Yeah. Um, it's very brief scene anyway. It's not like... Because I think the big reveal about all that it happens later on. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, it's going to be fairly soon because they're taking off the case. So, uh, uh, yeah, so, so... yeah, the, the, the captain's having to go at Murtaugh and say it's going to come out your budget. Yeah. Or our budget, not his budget, but the, so, the department's budget. But before that, we have the scene where like Riggs is chatting with Murtaugh's wife about the death of his... Or death of his ex-wife. Yeah, um, we learned that um, he they were due to go out for I don't know if it was an anniversary meal, but it was certainly yeah. a romantic meal. And he said that he was up to his nose in work, um, and he forgot all about it. And she's obviously sat at whatever restaurant it was. He didn't get in till midnight. As he got in, the phone was ringing, which of course he answered to be told she'd been killed in a car crash. And he said, "Well, if I'd made it there, obviously, I, I, it's very likely I'd have been driving." Um, with what we find out later, the outcome may not have been any difference. But mm-hmm. I, I've never taken it as a women drivers reference. It's more the fact that if I was driving a car and was in a fatal accident, if someone else had been driving it, the chances are they they wouldn't have been because there are variables. Yeah, you know, yeah. We it's, drive it's, at different speeds at different the, times the... on different roads and different routes and everything. She wouldn't be driving at that time as well. No, because they've had they'd have had a meal and like headed off like an hour earlier or whatever, yeah. or two hours earlier or whatever, or even later because he said I think she waited around for an hour or something for him. So yeah, if they'd stayed for a meal, it would have been longer. Yeah. So anyway, he carries it, it, the guilt. It's 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 more of a what if it was me driving? Would it be yeah, any different? Would it? It's just the the way the world has changed. It would be easy to look back on it and say, God, if only I was there to do it properly or something. Mm. And that's not film appears to be saying to me no um so yeah they're just popping back the straight jacket thing uh he can dislocate and relocate his own shoulder when he needs to that's the point for later on uh then what uh we get to see Riggs back at home with his dog um uh, but then we have um... what's he watching is it like the three stooges or yeah something? That, that's 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 always that's always a thing he that his character always watches at home yeah and he's laughing at it quite heartily and then, but then yeah. Rig, Riggs, uh, not Riggs, uh, Murtaugh gets attacked by um, the South Africans because they, they they break into his home and give and give him like a warning. Um, yeah. Now, 
one of the things that, that you know, obviously we're gonna this is gonna reference the the slur because the slur does get said here. Mm. But he's like, afterwards they're like, oh, I can't really tell where these where where these people are. Like you know, they had this sort of weird accent. What are they? Are they like? Well, they called you very a distinctive word that only yeah. a certain people from a certain place say. <laughs> so I think that's a bit of a giveaway. Oh, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just thought, hang on. <laughs> You're not, being, you're not being very good detectives here. I mean, the, the, I was the, amazed no one recognised it. I mean, we're in the we're at the end of the eighties here. It's not like the fifties or something. Yeah, we've got worldwide travel. We've got sportsmen and women. You know, the Olympics and it, it, you know the odd star turns up with their original accent, I mean, be it on it, TV it, or it, film. Even if it didn't trigger you tricky you think like oh he, he, he called he, he called me uh, this or he, he said that which was like which is weird it's like oh he must be south african then do you, do you know what i mean it you know you, you sure, sure you would have... none of them knew the fact that any one of them doesn't know in what is no offense meant to any of our listeners quite an, an insular country in its own way um i mean the rest of the world doesn't really matter to a lot of you that much um, I can understand any one of them not knowing. I can't understand, like, four of them were on that chase. And it was over an open line where they heard voices and stuff like that. I, I thought somebody would know. That sounded South African to me. Mm. Or at least someone would guess something closer. Not geographically. Not geographically, but some, some you know, somebody would say something Southern Hemisphere that was like in the right ballpark but no they didn't anyway it doesn't matter yeah they refer to it as a shitty accent which is probably like a dig at South Africa but <laughs> um, so yeah the, the, this is like the back of the police station uh, they they basically sort of get dumped with like the basically babysitting assignment because they want you know taken off off the case uh, and they go straight to um uh, Leo, Leo gets in a hotel. Yeah, we've we've seen this in a lot of films. You know, the guy guys who turn against the mob or whatever they're put in top hotel suites mm. and all the rest of it. It's very much of that nature. It spoils the reveal that they're about to be attacked pretty much straight away because the guy with the trolley cart is stopped and asked, "Which room is this for?" Um, now I think at the outset, I think how you respond to this film is going to be a little bit how you respond to Joe Pesci. Now I think Joe Pesci. Pesci's done some extraordinary work in his career. I think he's meant to be irritating in this film because they keep telling him to shut up. Yeah. But I don't know if that irritation's meant to be funny to us or just we empathise with their irritation at it. Because well, I don't I don't find it funny. I don't find him funny. Well, I'll tell you what the thing I would take away from it was just for how good an actor is Joe Pesci. Because, you know, he, he's play, he can play sort of like, you know, kind of charming like sort of f- like funny comedic sort of irritating type type of guy to being really sinister and like uh, uh, Scorsese I, I film. was going to say that you'd never forget, you'd never mistake this guy for any kind of threat yeah and it's the least hot take I'll ever come up with because it's so mainstream and I, I'm the several millionth person to say this but anyone who hasn't seen Goodfellas go and see it he's phenomenal in it yeah um, he really is he's 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 the best thing in that film, I would say. But even like uh, something like Home Alone, where he's he is a, a more comedic, 
but he does have his threatening moments. Like you know, but he's not meant to. He's not meant to terrify kids watching it. Yeah. So he's he's very good at what he does, and I thought he was brilliant in the Irishman last year. He can do most things, you know. And from from irritating in Goodfellas, you go and watch him in like. Uh, say Raging Bull which is also a Scorsese film and also opposite De Niro and the dynamics totally different because De Niro in that film is the character that's like irrational and temperamental and it's it's always like his brother who's trying to fucking calm him down and talk sense into him so yeah he can do pretty much everything apparently pretty good singer as yeah. well I've never heard his stuff but yeah and he's really good in uh, My Cousin Vinny as well that was a film I watched fairly recently my Cousin Vinny is one of those films that tends to get ragged upon is too strong. It's not ragged upon. People tend to like it. But it gets a little bit ragged upon, I suppose, for want of a better expression, because Marissa Tomei won an Oscar for it. And everyone was like, really, this lightweight comedic role? And, and the film gets a little bit looked down at because it's technically an Oscar mm. winner. But if you treat it as what it is, like a light comedy from the early 90s it's pretty good and he's really good in it it's it's a good courtroom film as well yeah the, the thing is when you watch it as like it, it looks like a bit of a sort of semi-star vehicle because he mm. was sort of a star pesci he was always like the supporting guy and it's out and out a comedy and it's got a small town fish out of water feel a bit like um doc hollywood or mm. something like that but when you actually get down to it the court stuff is really well handled. It's got Fred Gwynn in it as well, Herman Munster as the judge. Yeah. And and, and they're defending the karate kid. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Definitely worth watching. Um, so, we've gone, we've gone off track there now. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, you'll get. So, this is pretty. I think this is kind of probably. I think this is kind of sneakily the role that um, Feshi's kind of. Um, Kind of known for really, is you think it'll be more sort of Goodfellas or something like that, but you know, it's it's the kind of okay, 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 you know, it kind of it instantly kind Stylistically, of stylistically, sort of... it's closer to how you would picture him in your mind from the majority of his roles. Because yeah. even in my cousin Vinny, he turns out to be quite smart under it all, but he's going everywhere and irritating people because he's going to a small town he, he gets all the sort of court protocols wrong, he goes in places and asks slightly inappropriate questions and stuff like that stylistically yes but i think the epithet that i don't know i, I tend to think you know where, where it would say you know when christopher reeve died the obvious Paul, the obvious example superman star christopher reeve died today at the age of whatever what would that word be i still think it would be goodfellas yeah probably. just the one word but no the style you're probably right this is this is as close to a signature Joe Pesci role as you can mm. get, because something like Goodfellas, he's phenomenal in it, and he's got the same irritable quality to him, but it's an outlier in the stuff he does. Yeah, I think so. I think he's probably more. Yeah, people sort of tend to sort of think he's like, oh, Pesci's like kind of really aggressive, scary do you you he does gangster flicks but actually does a lot of comedy <laughs> now the majority of stuff he's he's fast talking and a little bit irritating mm. but deliberately by design i don't mean he's an irritating screen presence particularly got huge respect for joe pesci mm. i just think he's always been very very good what he can't do is blend into a role i mean it's always so obviously him and he's got a lot of the same characteristics in whatever he does but he can turn his hand to most things even quite charming 
Um, and for a little short guy who isn't classically good looking in any way, that's quite an achievement. Um, so the, yeah, they've got to look after him, but it turns out the waiter has, has sort of been hijacked and replaced, and the hitman pulls a pistol on yeah. him. Um, and basically, they all sort of dive out the window except Myrtle and land in a swimming pool. And Leo's yeah. got a couple of a busted nose by the look of it. Um, yeah, the the bad guy gets away, and they're, they're back at Myrtle's house now. Um, because because uh, it should note that sort of that since the attack, Myrtle family's got you know they, they sent them away to like a, a relative somewhere for safekeeping. Has seen as like they've been like attacked, like, you know, attacked at home kind of thing. This is where I'm get, what I'm getting at. That as we go on, I mean, it's not quite yet, but mm. this film does get pretty dark. It doesn't have the sort of personal the darkness on a sort of personal level in terms of one of our leads being suicidal but going around and just shooting all the black cops is is really quite dark yeah well they were quite i mean you are quite a few we don't just kill like the black cops though it's like it is just like even even though they aren't like i think it was all the black cops in that department i mean dean norris got gets caught as collateral damage because he's at like Grandel Bush's house playing cards, and um, and and uh, Shapiro, the uh, Janet Goldstein character as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She gets tired. anyway. Um, yeah, so but yeah, so basically they're back at um, Mercer's house, and Leo gets is explaining to to police officers about how laundering money works, and, I, and this this was the scene that sort of just said, let, let, let's, let's explain it to um, the audience, because they might not know, but I'm thinking, but the cops, surely they fucking understand the basic concepts of money laundering? Like, I, surely? I have to say, I had to play it twice, because I don't know if I just wasn't concentrating. This is the thing with me, I love films, and I love films in any environment. I'm happy to watch them at home. I know it's thought of as heresy, but I have watched them on my phone and stuff like that. I mean, it's not ideal, but I have done. But there is something about a cinema that I concentrate better, and it it does. I follow things fine at home, but every now and again there's like a slight distraction. I'm going to watch that scene again because I'm not sure, and I, it lost me at the point where I give you money and you give me money, but you don't give me money, and it lost me a little bit. But obviously, I know what money laundering is. If you've ever worked in an office job in the public sector, they teach you what money laundering is. If you ever work with money, they teach you what money laundering is. If you've ever bought a house, you need to know what money laundering is because they they perform various checks on you to assume that you're not money laundering money laundering is basically hiding the origin of ill-gotten gains so that it looks legal enough it doesn't raise any eyebrows and he explains this and i don't think i don't think he actually gives the most user-friendly explanation of it but it does tell you that he uh, it does tell you that he's he's morally flexible to say the least he's laundered half a billion and he's taken two percent of that so he's, he's got to be worth a fair amount of money or at least he was before he started having to run away from it all but he was skimming money here and there from them he's meant to be a witness for something but i wonder what because he said he only met couriers the one bit that really stuck about his explanation of how it works is you don't meet the man you meet the man's man's man you know what i mean mm. So I don't really know, but he does explain how money laundering works to two cops who didn't recognise a South African accent and know nothing about money laundering, despite the fact um, Riggs worked in narcotics and vice, I think, 
I mean, they are both industries that attract their share of money laundering. He should know what it is. Well, that's what I mean. It's like, surely. But okay. So. Yeah. But it's it's for the sake of the audience, really. Um, and also right. explain that what 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 he actually did, what what why kind of like he got caught out. Um, so, and and that and that's why he's like gone to the, gone to the cops to kind of basically save save his ass, basically. Um, yeah. But they did decide like, oh no, well you know, um, it was he 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 sort of had, he sort of uh, has a name for him, so they decide to go and investigate. Like he, he had they have like a. A place, an address. It was like oh, some sort of place in like on the hills and stills. So they kind of like, oh, let's try and go figure it out. Mm. Um, and they get um, it down to some possibilities. And when they when they work out which one it is, Riggs is there pretending to be a pool cleaner yeah. on the snow pool, which is kind of funny. But it does strike me as the sort of thing that like could theoretically happen. That you would you you play a hunch and it may not work. We talk yeah. going back to things like Twenty Four. You know, there are scenes in that program where they answer the phone, and they and he, he he's just killed the person whose phone it is, or the person whose phone it is has just died or disappeared or whatever. And oh, they like, answer the like, phone. It's like in Bond, isn't it? You answer the phone in, uh, and pretend and hope the person has never met you. Yeah, it's like That's in Quantum of Solace, thing. isn't it? Yeah, Mister Slate. Yeah. yeah, exactly the same principle. Just. Right, we'll turn up, we'll pretend to be this person, let's hope they never met each other. It's that kind of thing. Let's turn up to clean the pool. It's in a reasonably well-off part of the city. They probably got a pool. They didn't, as it turned out. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, they sort of like be up to the guy, and then the, the guy shows up who was there at the hotel, and, they, and it goes into a bit of a chasing. Um, and... Yeah, it ends up you get it gets a surfboard through the head ultimately after yeah. the chase, and they they return with the other cops uh, where they where they, where we first proper meet the South Africans. And this is this is one of the weird things like Mel Gibson. It's one of those weird things where like a, a, like an American in an American film says something distinctly British. It's like say he he, he calls him dickhead twice, which which is not something yeah. like. I you kind of you it's usually asshole or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's like it's like when Americans say wanker. It's like no, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> you scoundrel! <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're American and have called anyone a dickhead, write to us and expect us to talk at gmail dot com. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, he grew up. It's he, he grew up. He spent. I mean, he is American, Mel Gibson, but he spent mm. a lot of his childhood and early adulthood in Australia. So, and again, I don't know the nationality of the guy who wrote this. American, I imagine, but who knows? Unless he, unless he's suddenly become an expert on South Africans and that's what they call each other. I don't fucking know. But yeah, it just stands up. He does call him Adolf, which is kind mm. of a, again quite a charged reference about what what the perception of this nation was at the time. Um, and Rudd explains that they've got diplomatic immunity. Diplomatic immunity. F- yeah, the film has to explain that because not everyone would. Do- I, I, you would get the gist from the two words, diplomatic immunity. You would probably understand that, like, no one can touch you. But they, the film has to explain it to some degree. It has to because immunity can mean different things, and you can't just assume 
all your audience will get it. And it does explain it that effectively where they are is effectively a sovereign state. And it is just part of the whole diplomatic relations that we don't get charged with laws on in these other countries. Yeah, because they wanted uh, the laws of their country, not the country they're in. Yeah, but that's only technically in the embassy. Mm. I mean, you, if you if you went outside, theoretically, theoretically, if you're if you're in the U.S. embassy in London, you're on U.S. sovereign land. But if you go outside and like shoot someone, you've shot someone on British land. So I don't quite know how that works, but certainly the the concept of diplomacy. It, it, certainly, it certainly seems like a bad idea. To sort of just allow, you know, if it's, that was it's like an incredibly bad idea, but there you go. It, it is what it. Well, we've had real world equivalents where um, things have happened, and they've just said no, we're not giving them over for, you know, questioning or whatever. Mm. Uh, that 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 hit and run incident last year. Um, we meet Patsy Kensit briefly, who's um, Joss Ackland's sort of secretary, I suppose. Yeah. And, he starts, yeah, Riggs flirts with a little bit. Flirts with her quite a bit. And um, he goes to grab the suitcase and he's immediately told that's protected by, you know, subsection this mm -hmm. of diplomatic laws. And, you know, basically you can't touch that. Um, that's it. And I think mm -hmm. they go they go and talk to the captain. And because they've just they've just basically been reported for doing this. Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah, and and he finds out that they took Leo with him and left him in the car and all that kind of shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's like great. Um, and then the, the guys let, uh, leave a, a rubber tree for Myrtle. Disgraceful behaviour. <laughs> that that could qualify as workplace bullying, Chris. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Although, good news about the free condoms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> so yeah and that scene is like you know it's basically your type like yeah do everything really despicable with the bad guys because he basically makes a like a he tries to chat Rika up like trying to make a move while spouting racist stuff like it's like oh these damn blacks they just hate us oh you know blah blah and kind of like tries to sort of make a pass at the same time it's just like it, it plays like her movies as, doing like overkill. It plays to, her to... as willfully clueless as well, and I don't mean dumb. They're two different things. It's like she knows the politics of her country is unpopular. This is just a job she doesn't really want to know. Yeah. She actually says, "Well, no, I don't really understand. You, you know, you're welcome to try to explain it to me." Well, the people here hate hate us, and the police is crawling with blacks, basically, for want of a more accurate way to describe the way they say it in the film. Um, did you take it as he was coming on to her, did you? Well, yeah, he kind of touched her face a little bit. And she's like... Ugh. Yeah, okay. Um, but, that's, kind um, of not, that's not appropriate employer-employee. Yes, okay. Um, but, yeah, it's... I forgot what I was going to say now. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, it, it was kind of like with her... It's, she, it, it's kind of like said later on that with, with Riggs that she's sort of like... She doesn't really agree with the with, with the politics, but likes likes a job because it keeps her in America. Right. So she like she, yeah, she likes, they she likes that off way. to that line later because he says to her, "There's better ways to stay in America," mm. which is a hint at a possible future for them had things played out differently. But it is also like there are other ways. Um, yeah. We're next. 
Uh, Rick, Rick's kind of just yeah. So you have the drive-through scene, so that with yeah, the pointless. Yeah, it is just like a comedy show. Yeah, but it, um, but it's like a the fuck you bit is is something that's played in the in the other movies. Um, it's funny Mel Gibson's character Regs comes out with quite a lot of in a in vert inadvertent gay innuendo in this film. He does talk a lot about like fucking people's asses and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and it's like if you do this, I'm gonna fuck your ass, and it's like, is that, <laughs> are you sure that's what you mean, Mel? <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, uh, so Riggs just, is basically sort of like harassing. Yeah, he's uh, just turned up in the car. Being so it's like, okay, I can't arrest you. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the intimidation game. Yeah, which is what it is. Uh, I like how he gets there. Like he, he he dashes off on a red light, causes a car crash with his diplomatic yeah. immunity, or whatever, and and like so, and he gets to work, and Riggs is there. It's like how the fuck did he get there so quick? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is a little bit like he's just a shadow. He turns up everywhere. But um, various scenes of them sort of around each other's houses and stuff like that. Um, What else? Uh, Leo's cleaning Riggs' house. Yeah. Uh, And here, no sign of Murtar. And then this is where we get the toilet scene. Yeah. um, It's a bit of a shit situation, really, isn't it? Hey, no pints of bitter either. No. I like the fact that they talked about what he was reading first. Yeah, they haven't seen him for a while, so they actually um they go to the house and he mm. is on the toilet and we find out through the scene he's been sat there since the previous night. Because there's a bomb attached to the toilet that's been sort of activated by him sitting down and if he stands up it'll go off. And he doesn't know any of this, but he daren't move and when they do actually check it, it's like, no, you've got to stay there. And they wrote, boom, you're dead on the toilet roll. Um, <laughs> the, the bit that is funny is he says, you know, don't call the bomb squad or don't set, use the police band. Keep the incident private. He said, you can trust me. And the next thing is chaos outside. That is funny. There's the cut from you can trust me or trust me or no problem to like every, the street being full of people. Um, but the, the gist of it is they've got to jump off the toilet into the bath which will withstand the blast and they put something on the bomb to delay the explosion for a few seconds yeah um, that is it um, liquid nitrogen yeah Um, now apart from the fact they have an unspoken bromancy moment where he says like Riggs and can't speak and it's like I know buddy and then they make love Um, (laughs) that's about it yeah, and also the the the, uh, the toilet actually sort of is is uh, shot outside out the window and on Murtaugh's car again. Yeah. So presumably he must have flushed. Because <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't like some big turd flying out. Well, so. I mean, you would do, wouldn't you? You wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't want to make a situation worse by everyone, by everyone coming in smelling your shit, would you? <laughs> <laughs> um... It, again, it's sort of busy work, but it's an iconic scene. It's very yeah. well known. Um, I think the next scene is where him and um, Murtaugh go to the South African uh, office. Yeah, so they, they sneak in, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, with like 
uh, Leo, Leo. Murtaugh loudly announces he wants to go there to fight for the freedom of his brothers, basically. <laughs> uh, well, Riggs, like, sort of, uh, basically, it's a distraction for Riggs, and he sneaks in and basically just gives him a warning. Yeah. He's like, well, that's, 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 that's the thing that might be where he says, like, I'll fuck your ass, asses. Yeah. But they, they, that was in all the trailers as well. Sometimes mm. they go a bit crazy, like now. Mm. Um, it's a sort of equivalent of him slapping his face in the first one. Yeah. This film. And it, it, it does feel ballsy. None of these guys are that physically intimidating, but there's a fair few of them all armed. Um, it does feel like quite a ballsy mood, move watching it earlier. Yeah, it definitely. Uh, but it's you know it's Riggs isn't it <laughs> that's him yeah. um, uh, is that when he sort of gets out well he shoots the uh, aquarium um, yeah. and then they're all busy trying to sort of save the fish rather than do anything to him and he goes out <laughs> and talks to Rika is that when they sort of like arrange a date it's not just there but I think it's literally just af- just afterwards because um, they, they meet up in a supermarket straight after that yeah uh, I mean that. Yeah, oh yeah, they're... of course they do because he tells her to take the fruit from the. Yeah. Aisle. Yeah. Uh, this is this this way kind of like you know properly harasses her in public. Um... Again, it's I don't think this film is apart from the racial stuff we've already talked about. I don't think this film is wildly inappropriate, but there's a few things that you just look at and go, and it's not even about it being Mel Gibson or anything. It's just one of those things that you say, would you do that the same way now? I don't think you would play this scene the same way now because with modern sensibilities and sensitivities it could be interpreted that he's almost kind of like bullying her back to his place <laughs> it's it's played as charm it's not intended to be yeah but you just know that criticism would launch at the film if they released it this way now it, they'd have to just tweak it a bit yeah they probably would um, this is setting up the final uh, uh, of the, uh, act of the film now, isn't it? Pretty much, because he's taking her back to the apartment, and this is where basically like, like everyone starts getting off. So all the yeah. other police officers start like getting um, they turned up the heat. Um, so like you know, uh, the swimming pool getting um, diamond uh, diamond board getting exploding. Um, Becca's not saying much. I just wondered, did we lose the rubber jotties? I laughed too hard. <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> I went down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, we've come quite quickly towards the, the, the latter half of the film. Um, I think that's kind of really what I mean is, you know, just, despite it's kind of hour and a half, like two hour runtime, I didn't kind of feel this movie drag. I mean, I, I would agree that, you know, they said at the start of the film, like, tonally might be sort of different here and there. And it's definitely funnier. There's more comedic elements um, compared to the first film. Um, but it's still, for me, it still kind of retains that that, that edge, that kind of that grittiness. Um, it hasn't gone down the route of, you know, the, the, the stereotypical like silly body cop movie, for example. Um, yeah. Even with Joe Pesci, you know, playing that sort of character that he's he's made a career out of, um, you know, didn't sort of really great too much, or you know, sort of totally clash with what was going on. Um, yeah, no, very, very enjoyable, definitely. And we, you know, we arrive quite quickly at the, at the, you know, the last half of the film, um, where it all begins to, you know, get personal. So. <laughs> it's personal now. Um, yeah, so the, the police are basically getting off. Um, 
Sorry. Yeah, yeah. The police, the, the police are starting. I've got getting killed by one one. No, no one's sort of heard from Riggs or Myrtle, but yet the 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 captain doesn't seem to say. Have you tried maybe going around the houses? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, but we've established they're not very good detectives. They can't even work out an accent and a racial slur. <laughs> And they don't know what money laundering is. They probably don't understand the whole concept of people living in different places. Because 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 that's that's exactly where Riggs is, <laughs> and and that's exactly where Murtaugh is heading. That's what we find. Yeah. I must say, during this part of the film, there is a bit of exposition. There's a lot of puzzle exposition going on. It's like, oh, this is where we have to go. But yeah, no, with, with the money laundering thing, I I totally agree. It's like if they are diplomats, you know, even if they're criminals, how do they not know? It's ridiculous. It's the fact that Riggs and Murtaugh don't know. And, like, they've worked in, like, well, bikes exactly. and narcotics it's like, and what? stuff. I mean, it's just basic stuff. They're cops. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. There you go. It's like, it's like you know, I've... <laughs> yeah, how can you not know? I suppose and if you've had any kind of you know, professional role in your life, you should know what it is. But never mind. But there you go. Doesn't matter. Anyway. It's like it's like it's, it's, probably, it's probably like me like asking. So what's a heart attack then? <laughs> well, this is it exactly. So um, so so what exactly is a cardiac arrest? Yeah. What was that? <laughs> yeah, that would give the family like real hope, wouldn't it? You're in A and E or something, and like their their beloved relative like, goes, in, goes into cardiac arrest, and you just stand there and go, sure. Two or three years as a nurse, I've never seen anything like that. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we're into the final act of the film. Patsy Kensick goes round to his place. They have a beer, and then they then they like make love at length. Yes, and the dog watches bits of it, goes away for bits, comes back, watches a bit more. Um, yes, yes, disappears round a, a safe passage. I know, and he's talking about he, he, Mel Gibson, not the dog, is talking about baseball before he says batter up, so how I didn't get that reference. Yeah. And he actually sort of says it's a baseball reference. Uh, yeah, but that's before he says batter up. I don't, it's almost like I didn't link the two. I think it might be that I saw this film when I was about 15, which means I was probably looking at Pansy Kensit's tits while he was explaining it. It's fair enough. So that's probably what happened. He probably went... Well, he's going, yeah, it's baseball, and this is what's ever. I'm there going, boobs, and then he suddenly says, batter up, and I'm going, yeah, I sympathise. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. So, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, um, sort of, they're all attacked home. at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, Leo gets taken. Uh, Motar manages to kill two of them with a nail gun. Yeah. Um, and of course, Riggs being Riggs, they decide to send two attack helicopters and just shoot the fucking bomb. <laughs> they take no fucking chances at all. <laughs> well, yeah, at this uh, around this point, Riggs is, Riggs is told um, just after the attack, he's told that um, when you were in narcotics, you were getting too close to us, so a hit was put on you. I came out to kill you, but of course, you weren't driving the car. Yeah, that 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 that's afterwards. 
Um, yeah. He explains. But, 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 yeah, he doesn't burst in on him balls deep in Patsy Kensit and say <laughs> that. I know it's after that bit. Batter up. <laughs> By the way, Mel, apologies if you lose your erection over this, but I killed your wife. <laughs> Nice dog, by the way. See you later. <laughs> we'll be back. Uh... Yeah. Oh, we'll just let you finish. Don't die, man. Make sure yeah. you finish. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I might be an evil racist, but I'm not. You know, but I'm not that fucking heartless. <laughs> yeah, and make sure you finish her because she's not going to get another opportunity either. <laughs> I was making a joke about a acting career, but anyway. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so basically you have a big, uh, big attack where uh, Riggs kills everyone. Um, and they, yeah. they, they manage to drive away. Drops off at, at her place, but is knocked out. Yeah. And then they have your scene where he's sort of in a, in a sort of straight jacket type thing. Underwater. Yeah. And he, sort and he gets out of it. And just as, he's about, yeah, just as he's about to sort of swim away, he spots her dead under the water mm-hmm. as well. So she's dead, and he knows that. So now it's they've killed everyone, and of course it it plays on this the character still being somewhat dangerous, at least in our perceptions, that we don't know if he's going to go right off the deep end now. Mm. Um, and so like this is one of the scenes that kind of got cut out where he sort of when he sort of escapes and kills two of the henchmen, right. Why was it particularly brutal? I can't remember. Well, yeah, it's the one where he sort of just basically sort of smashes, breaks the guy's neck, and and kills the guy with a door, the car door, just smashes him in. It's, po- it's political correctness gone mad. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it always annoys me because you sort of see like two villains who you never see again. And you think like, but what happened to him? They're just hanging around, and then you see Riggs get out, and that's it. Yeah. It's just sort of like no, just fucking have him, you know. Let's see him get killed. Again, that's very Bond villain. I know you know, put him in a straight jacket and just mm. fucking shoot him. You did with all the other cops you've been trying to kill. Um, yeah. Because uh, they're going into people's homes and it's like, I'm a cop. And then they just, you were, and they shoot him. It's just like done. It's quite brutal. Um, ends up reminding me of the Boosie fight, but instead of like being like very vital at that stage, Gary Boosie, he's fighting like a bank manager. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is the guy you go to to get like a loan or something. Yeah, uh, he's stabbed in the leg, and he ends up sort of stabbing the guy with that guy's own knife. And just as he's about to sort of get away, um, Joss Ackland shoots him in the back several times, and he keeps firing while he's on the floor. You just think like this guy should be dead. Um, and Murtaugh points his gun at him. He says, "Diplomatic immunity." And then he just shoots him and says, it's just been revoked. Or assimilate this, or mm. bottoms up, or whatever. Yeah. I think just being, just... just being revoked is better. It's better payoff line. That was a pretty good line, actually. And uh, when they sat, he thinks Riggs is, like, dead or dying, and it turns out he's really not. Nothing vital's been hit. Mm. Um, a joke about, you know, him being decaffeinated. Which is a play on that word, which we're still not going to say, just in case. But you can totally infer what what it is, and that's it. Credits. Yeah, and then you have a. Um, I mean, we just kind of rush through the ending, but yeah, Leo Leo's uh, rescued pretty much, and that's yeah, it. I mean, that's the thing. That's how I feel about the last act of both of the first two films. Mm. 
I, I, I'm a little bit like that with Act 3 anyways, but mm. there are plenty th- of examples of Act 3s I've liked that have proved it isn't just me. Um, no, but I, I completely get what you're saying because... Um... The, I don't think the plot is interested me as much this time. I, I think the plot is much more of the draw this time in that the first film was all about this damaged guy and this cop near re- not near retirement, but almost like retiring himself in his attitude and stuff. This film's not really about any of those things, so therefore it's much more about the plot, but the plot doesn't have the same drive as it does when... I mean, it's a pretty generic drug plot in the first film, but it's being driven by this sense of, can this guy on the case hold it together? Will he put in danger this guy who really just doesn't feel that he's at his best anymore mm. and that's not there in this film so when we get to the action series you, you like sequences you've got him fighting a bank manager and 60 odd year old joss ackland so i'm not as interested but you know as for final thoughts from me i'm not gonna have very much i'm just gonna say i think it's a step behind the first film largely because the reason for being's not there in the character work, although the characters are still great. They're still great at being around each other. Their chemistry's moved on even a step, you know, spot them talking, babbling together mm. at the start of the film where they both know what they're trying to say. Um, there's a genuine sort of bromance there in, in all the best ways. Uh, Joss Ackland would have made a good Bond villain thinking about it. Not a physical threat. He'd have needed a decent henchman, not the manager of Nat West. Um... The end result's a step behind, um, but it's still good, and I enjoyed it. Becca? Yeah, pretty much the same, really. Um, yeah, I think... I yeah, haven't sort of reflected upon it. I think this one and the, and the first one were kind of like on equal footing. Also, yeah. the first is a classic. Um, but the two is, I mean, despite some minor niggles, um, yeah, still, still is enjoyable. Um, you've still got the, the central... Um, chemistry of, of the leads and everything. The uh, villains are palpable, definitely. Joss Ackland is, is a legend, anyway. Um, yeah, I kind of agree that he would have made a, a good Bond villain. Um, Lawson, he's still going. Um, yeah, great cast, action scenes, uh, sort of bigger and, and more audacious. Um, addition of Joe Pesci, brilliant, and he's in the he's is in the next next week. I think he's in the next film, isn't he? And he's then in, he's in he's in he's in the, the, the rest of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's always amazing. Um, yeah. Eight out of ten. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's pretty high score. I've gone from five to ten. I don't know why the the ratings are arbitrary. Sorry. Eight out of five. Eight out of five. <laughs> um. Yeah. I'll 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 I would say yeah. I I think it's fairly enjoyable. I think it's probably. They're probably more enjoyable than the first film, but probably the first film's probably a better film, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think, yeah, I think the action's well, I think that, you know, as I said before, I think the, the villains are probably more colourful um, and, and probably a bit more memorable uh, as well, but, you know, but ultimately I think it sort of just, it kind of, it, it compensates for the humour too much. In uh, in regards to the 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 darkness and the and the, and the, the violent undertones, um, you only get a glimpse of that sort of at the very end where you know Riggs is kind of like like pretty much in a muttering murderous rampage. Um, so yeah, it's it. He it, feels quite dangerous in the first scene, and he feels quite 
dangerous towards the end, and that's it. Well, that's the thing. It's like it got me thinking how like the 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 the, the bit of the reckless rigs was that that's, that was always him. Yeah, he has um, a lethal weapon. It's not you know the, he's he's not like he's not still a guy on the edge. I mean that, but that's just him normally. He's always a bit a bit reckless, a bit like happy. You know, a little bit. What's the word? Well, he's just a bit. You know, always always quipping and sort of like busting everyone's chops kind of thing. Um, but it's only like a, it's only a really a few moments really. So it's only particularly at the end where he kind of goes full. I'm I'm suicidal rampage. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's it. Um, yeah, but I but also yeah, it's probably the, the last one where he seems properly dangerous. Like as in like a lethal the last weapon. two were just but the last two were just body cop films. Yeah. They could be called anything but lethal weapon, except you want the brand identity, of course. Yeah. But yeah, that's it. But I suppose I say, I, I still feel I don't know anything about this one. I mean, I've watched it so many times. I, I, I'm still. I'm still well, clueless. I'm amazed. We've talked. To be honest, I was going to say something, but I didn't want to embarrass you because we've talked for nearly two hours and you've not mentioned Samuel L. Jackson or Emilio Estevez once. <laughs> you've not mentioned Scotty from Star Trek. I mean, what on well, earth are you thinking, Chris? Well, so I mean, have, have you seen Loaded Weapon 1 now? No. Ah. I'm just looking at it. I was trying to look for a rip of it. I will watch it. I will watch it. At the time... What, it, 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 it feels like it context, should be on Amazon Prime, though. It's one of those films. Uh, it's not. It's, you've still got to pay for it. But the reason, which I'm quite happy to do, but um, I, I think to give background as to why I've not seen it, well, firstly, there's the obvious point. No one has seen everything. But also, you had like that it played, even though it had National Lampoons in the title, it played like it was going to be like in that naked gun sort of airplane move, right? And they'd already started to get tired. The first naked gun was great, the second naked gun was really good, third one wasn't so good. And they just kept knocking out these films like Repossessed and the rest of them, and they weren't very funny. And I saw a trailer for Loaded Weapon that didn't do it any favors. And I was like, that looks a bit lazy. Samuel L. Jackson at that stage wasn't a star. And even now I'd have my reservations because he is someone who will do a range of different qualities. Let's put it that way. Um, So I've never got around to it. But a lot of people have said a lot of things about it. So I'm assuming I would enjoy it somewhat. I think it's got fun because it's got Shatner in as well. Shatner and Tim Curry as the bad guys. So anyway, you didn't mention that once, which means you're clueless. Um, and I, don't, I didn't mean to embarrass you. But the thing is, as well, I, 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 even when I'm really knowledgeable, I, I don't want to embarrass you. So let's pretend I'm clueless as well. Becca? Um, yeah, these, these are like really boring facts. Ah, so we so rebrand. Not, not, re- not, not very fun facts, unfortunately. The boring side of things, great. I just struggled to find some fun facts for this film, so apologies because they are quite dull. Um, but yeah, fun fact number one: despite its anti-South African stance, the film was passed uncut by the censors in the country, and was a box office success there. Um, fun fact number two: the body, the film's body count is thirty-three. That's actually quite interesting, really. When you think about which it, which is the highest of the series so far. But yeah, yeah, I think that's quite interesting as well. It just kind of shows, you know, sort of, it doesn't, it doesn't always kind of matter or. It, you know, it, even it, though there's it, a lot of racist it, terms. It, it goes showing they, they might be racist, but at least they can take a dig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh dear. So yeah. Um... <laughs> Last one, folks. Fun fact number three: Danny Glover played Nelson Mandela for HBO movie um, of the same title, um, made a couple well, of years prior to this. So Danny how about that? That's no, a not... complete misselling. <laughs> I'd have been disappointed. Mel Gibson played Nelson Mandela. No. I'm tuning in to watch up a film about Danny Glover and he's playing Nelson Mandela. I'm Sorry. <laughs> anyway, fun fact number four, Shane Black's original script, as you mentioned, Chris, um, had controversial ending of trying to kill off uh, Martin Riggs' character. Um, but the producer said, no, we don't want this. So they actually filmed quite a few different endings, a, a variety. Um, audiences obviously favoured the one where he survives. There's also an alternate ending um, where they all enjoy a Thanksgiving dinner together um, mm. with Rico, who survived. Um, but in the end, obviously, Richard Donner decided to, to kill her off, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, there's always various different alternate yeah. endings. And I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, he was also toying the idea of having uh, Mel Gibson fly around the world and and turning back time to save a life. But Yeah, yeah there's a the Superman ending is, as well. I, I like the fact you clarified he didn't kill her off when they had that. No, obviously not. Because no. otherwise, that sounds like a, a sort of R-rated weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> God, that would that, the, the, the God, can you imagine that ending? <laughs> I'm having a go on that till she goes cold. Anyway, more the ending of that film. Too. You know when you say things and you think, "Did I really say that?" <laughs> That's going on the trailer. Yeah. Finally, right. fun fact number five: the scene at the end where Riggs attempts to pull down the house on stilts, um, using tow ropes in his truck, cost over five. Hundred thousand dollars. Oh my gosh, it's a very expensive scene. There's more or less. The same Don't they just say that? That just makes it so easy. That surely that the integrity of that whole building is is really compromised when like it takes just not very one, one guy with a truck <laughs> to just pull it I'm down. I'm pretty sure there's a similar scene in Grand Theft Auto Five, fairly early in the game. Yeah, there, there probably is actually. It'll, it'll be a homage to that film. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't place it, but like. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they do something very similar. It's one of these things, isn't it? If you sort of go watching these films, you you you, know, you do notice kind of all these little references and Easter eggs and, and callbacks, yeah. which is quite good fun, I think. Anyway, are we finished having fun? Yeah, unfortunately, those are my not very fun fun facts. I, I, I've got I've got a slightly fun fact. Uh, the, the gun that fun fact. The, 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 the gun that uh, Mal Gibson uses in in an awful the Relief Weapon films is the same one that uh, Bruce Willis uses in the first three Die Hards. Cool. It's actually that the same prop gun. I hope he wiped it off. Well, yeah, there's a big intertext <laughs> between quite, the Bruce two films. Bruce was quite sweaty in that first Die Hard. I just imagine it being a bit greasy, to be honest. Yeah. That's fun, folks. As for social media, you can find me at the Pasty Kid 1976 on Twitter. Ah, oh, you can find me at Sony Tribes. <laughs> oh, you can find. <laughs> Sorry, this are is you, are like you, Chris Knight. I do apologise. Are you mocking me, Becca? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Becca. No, I love you really. Uh, well, you can find me on. It has nothing to do with me. I only started it. Yeah, the only more th- one more thing I need to add is though, like, I did think the sax music started to get a little bit on my tits. And the, and, the only, and, and the only real difference I could sort of tell was like the kind of uh, the African sort of like drums in the background. Like, doo, 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 doo. Uh, I think it's a bit sleazy sax, like eighty sax. Yeah. yeah, it just started to feel a bit overkill this time around, but we'll, we'll see about next week. Anyway, you can find me on uh, Sim Trance. Uh, you can also find all the old episodes on the Sim Trance Code at UK. And you can find us on Twitter at Expect Us Talk, uh, wherever you 
find your podcast um, type in do you expect to talk you can find us on there don't forget to rate us review us and give us a lovely rating um, preferably five stars and above helps us to attract more listeners and rank higher thank you very much well I don't know about you Chris but I can't even begin to guess what's coming next what do you think <laughs> um... no you've drawn a Is... blank <laughs> Is it Wings of Desire? <laughs> That's so close. Becca, put him out of his misery. Do you expect to talk will return with Lethal Weapon 3? 